It's very good to see everyone out this morning. We've certainly had a good song service. I hope through our study this morning that your faith will be stronger, that your hope will be greater. You know, people need hope. When we see people struggling with whatever may be the problem in their life, one of the things they're struggling with is having hope to go on. It's necessary. And so I want to talk about that for a little bit this morning. And I hope that our zeal will be greater through our study. So what I've written up on the board is no hope, hope, and great hope. And I believe that's a progression that needs to take place in our lives. Many different ways, many different times. But we've got to have hope to keep moving forward. Hope is not the same as a wish. We wish for a lot of things that we never attain, that we never accomplish. But hope means we believe this is really going to happen. And there's great expectation that it will happen. It's not just a wish. For 100 years or so, Noah was a preacher of righteousness, warning people of the flood. And it was going to be a flood that covered the entire earth. That's not really good news. So for a hundred years, he continued warning people and trying to turn them to God and trying to get them to help him on this project he had of building this great ark. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? That was a lot of work. That was a long, long time. Mainly, he was preaching to deaf ears that didn't want to hear it. But still he labored and he toiled with expectation of having a place of safety for himself and for his family. Because he believed God and he believed that this flood was really going to come. And you know we talk to people about a coming judgment. It's pretty much to deaf ears. We talk to people about giving an account of themselves before God. It's mainly deaf ears. We try to get people to turn to God, and that's what Noah was doing. Was it worth it? He and his family came safely through the flood. They hoped against hope. Nobody had ever been through anything like that before. 
Nobody could imagine anything that catastrophic. But still, he went forward. Was it worth it? His family didn't drown in the flood. And everyone else did. Was it worth it? I think he'd tell you in a minute it was worth it. In Hebrews 11 and verse 7, the Scripture says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. By faith. He had hope. He had faith. He had a lot of faith, folks. That's a lot of faith to work for a hundred years on a project with everybody telling you it's just a figment of your imagination. There's nothing to hope for. Verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him, but he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Without faith we cannot please God. We have to have it. The faith that we have in God is based on His Word. No man has seen God at any time. No person has sat down and had a two-way conversation with God at any time. Our faith is based upon this most wonderful book in the world that we call the Bible. Folks, it's not just a wish. It's faith. We believe that this is the words of the living God. Faith has to be based upon something. And that's not our lesson this morning. I don't want to get too far off on that. But there's many reasons to believe the Bible. And part of it is because of this hope that we have and the demonstrations that God has given to confirm His Word. You have to have faith to have hope. Titus 1 and verse 2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. I'm going to tell you, I believe there's eternal life awaiting ahead. Why do I believe that? Because God has promised it. Well, people go down back on their promises all the time, and that's true. But God has never went back on one promise. And He's made hundreds of them. He doesn't go back on His Word.
that's one of the reasons that we believe the Bible. I mean, some of those promises have scanned hundreds of years. God told Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. I don't know how old Abraham was when God gave him that promise. But I know he's about a hundred whenever he had that son. So it was a lot of years. But God kept his promise. God made a promise to Noah. You can come safely through the flood. He worked for a hundred years without having ever seen a flood before. That's faith. God promised, God delivered. God promised, God delivered. He cannot lie. Would it be possible for God to tell a lie? Sure it would. But you see, God has told us not to lie. And God has set restraints upon Himself to be a righteous God. And if He's going to be a righteous God, then He cannot lie because He won't let Himself lie. That's why God's not going to lie. And He never has. So if He never has, we can have confidence in the promises that He makes to us. And there are hundreds of them. Of the hundreds of promises that God has made, All, 100% of them, he kept. He kept them. And so in that sense, he cannot lie. And so his promises that he makes to us of eternal life, of forgiveness of sin, things of that nature... He's going to keep them. And they're going to be there for some people who want them. I want to know about eternal life. That piques my curiosity and has for 50 years, longer. But if I want to know about eternal life, I want to talk to someone who was dead and came back. That really knows firsthand. Revelation 1.18, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Forevermore. 
time without end. Well, it's not really time. It's just there's no end. It's eternity. Jesus really did that. He died on the cross. He was in the grave for three days. And then He came out. Jesus has gone through the death experience and lived to tell about it. That's the kind of a witness that I want. How about you? John 10, 27, 28, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life. Just as God cannot lie, Jesus cannot lie. Jesus has promised eternal life to His sheep. In verse 26 of John 10, But ye believe not, because ye are not my sheep. You don't follow me. He'll keep His promise to His sheep because they follow Him. But he said to some of those there, you don't follow because you're not my sheep. You know, whether we follow Jesus or whether we don't is a personal choice. Everybody gets to make their own. In John 3 and verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How much did God love the world? He so loved the world that He gave His Son to filthy sinners to make the sacrifice to forgive all their sins. That's love. Was it worth it? God thought it was. And the Scripture says that those that believe on His Son will have everlasting life. The same kind of life that God and Jesus have right now. He that believeth not on Him is condemned, but he that believeth not on Him is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. All you have to do to be an unbeliever is just don't believe. And Jesus said you're condemned already because you won't accept the evidence. The Scripture says that light came into the world, but men loved darkness rather than light. And so they didn't come to Jesus. And that's where the majority of the world is this morning. 
But he that believeth on Jesus hath the Father and the Son also. Romans 6, the last verse there says, The wages of sin is death. Death means separation. It's talking about separation from God. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Your sins have separated between you and your God. And that's what sin does. It separates us from God. In Ephesians 2 and verse 12, well, I want to go back to verse 36 before I move on. John 3, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. So what about all these people out here in the streets of Plainview that don't believe in Jesus? The wrath of God abideth upon them. So you don't have to go do the worst things in the world to receive the wrath of God. If you reject His Son... The wrath of God abideth upon you. If that's true, then these people that are living these lives, ungodly lives, have no hope. You know, that ought to move us to try to tell all of our family and our friends and our work associates and everyone else, they need to repent. Because if they have no hope, what happened to all those people that didn't get on the, up on the ark with Noah? They perished. Jesus said, I tell you nay, except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. If you love people, you need to tell them. Whether they turn a deaf ear, or whether you lose a friend, you need to tell them. You need to tell them. Because everyone is going to make that choice sometime in their life. Now in Ephesians 2 and verse 12, it says, At that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. If we're not in covenant relationship with God... We have no hope. We have no hope. If you're not a Christian, you're without hope. Is that where you really want to be? You know, you're the only one that can change that. If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian, you're the only one that can change that. No one else can change that for you. 
There is nothing good in your future if you're without hope. Having no hope and without God in the world. And I would urge you this morning to change your life. To change your life and to get it right with God. All you have to look forward to is spending eternity with the devil. Is that where you want to spend all of eternity is with the devil. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. That's what his name means. He speaks against those that follow Christ and that follow God. He's the accuser. Do you want to be with Him for all eternity? Who are the people that are going to be there with the devil? It's everybody that turned against God. Everybody that turns against God is going to end up spending eternity with the devil, with all the child molesters, with all the murderers, with all the liars. That's where we're going to end up. But you know, you don't have to end up there. You can make a choice to believe in the precious promises of God in the Scripture. The precious promises of God. To believe that God is and that He's the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And that He wants you to be with Him in heaven and enjoy all the pleasures of heaven. That's what God desires. Whosoever will, let him come. Take of the water of life freely. He that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. But make a choice. You must. You cannot deny this morning whether you're a Christian or not, that there's evil in the world. Because you don't like it when people sin against you. You don't like it if people steal from you, if they lie about you, if they slander your reputation, if they kill someone that's close to you. You don't like that. That's who you're going to be spending eternity with. And so we must all admit that there is evil. The Bible says that God is a righteous judge. Righteous judge. And that's why only He can judge. But He's committed all the judgment to His Son Jesus. But they're part of the Godhead. But all judgment hath been committed unto the Son. He's a righteous judge. That means He's fair. He's fair. It 
If there was no punishment for evil at the end of the day or at the end of time, then life would just be unfair. But you see, it's not. All of the evil and wickedness that's in the world is going to be made right that day. Any evil that hasn't been judged or not, any evil that has not been judged will be judged that day. And that day, punishment will be carried out. Pardon me. But if you remain a non-Christian, you have no hope. Speaking of heaven, Revelation 21 verse 27 says, There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh an abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. You know, our our name is written in the book of life when we're baptized, and the Lord adds us to the church to the general assembly and church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. That's how we get our name in the book of life as we obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, when we do that, we have hope. Now we've got something to base our faith on and our expectation is made alive. I really can walk the street of gold. I really can live in heaven forever with God and with Christ. God has provided everything that we need for that to happen. And now, we have great hope. What is that hope built on? What causes us to have that expectation? The promises of God. The promises of God. Remember, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised. I'm banking on God keeping His promise, folks, and I hope you are too. The Apostle Peter spoke about exceeding great and precious promises. We have the promise that the blood of Jesus will wash away our sin. You know, I believe that. I believe that. And I believe that when a person is baptized, that all their past sins are forgiven. 
Somebody says, well, can you cut them open and see if they're really gone? No. It's a spiritual application of the blood of Jesus. But I believe my sin was gone when I was baptized. He gives us teaching in 1 John that if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I believe that. That's another promise. When our sin is forgiven, if we really believe in the promises of God, we believe that it's gone, it's wiped out, it's put behind Him, that He'll never bring it up again. That's what we believe. I think we can take that promise to the bank. Because of all of those things, we have a clear conscience and great hope. The Lord added you to the church, the greatest support group on the earth. That's what Acts 2 says. I believe that. We are entering the new covenant. I believe that. Now we have opened a prayer line directly to the God of heaven. Do you use it? When we sin, do we ask God to forgive us of that sin? He's faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Produces a clear conscience. 2 Timothy 1.3, I thank God whom I serve with a pure heart. You can't have a pure heart if you're not claiming the blood of Jesus for your sin. 1 Timothy 1.5, now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience. That's one of the greatest things to me about being a Christian. I can get neck deep in sin. And I can get it to be gone. Gone. As we've looked at these exceeding great and precious promises of God, folks, I'm going to tell you, I don't believe God lied. I sure don't. I'm banking everything on that that God didn't lie. There's no doubt in my mind that Jesus is coming back. There's no doubt in my mind that there's going to be a day of judgment. And that there really is a heaven and a hell. That gives us great hope. It gives us great hope. If we give our life to God. Jesus promised us a resurrection. 
He promised us a new body. We know this old body wears out. Man, I'm 75 years old yesterday. It's wearing out. It's getting old. It's not going to go on a whole lot longer. He says He will change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body. He told us that we'd have eternal life. Life without end. There'll be no end. It doesn't get late. It doesn't get over. It's eternity. And because of these great promises, we can be there. Philippians 4, 7 says, He gives us the peace of God that passes understanding. Doesn't it comfort you to know that we have these promises? You know, when sin works on you, whether you're in the world or whether you're in the church, it gets you down. David said, Thy hand was heavy upon me. Get you down. But doesn't it give you peace when you get rid of your sin? Don't you feel better inside? You know, there is absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing that we can do about some bad decisions that our government's making. That's not, that's not our sphere. There's nothing we can do about that. There's nothing we can do about COVID. There's nothing we can do about a lot of things in the world, but having our soul saved is something that every one of us can do by the choices that we make. Peter said, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. He careth for you. A powerful being, so powerful we cannot even imagine. A power that would create our earth, the sun, the moon, our solar system, the universe, and who knows how far it goes. And He cares for you. He cares for you. Does that not give you peace? David said, The Lord is my shepherd. Folks, if Jesus is your shepherd, nothing else matters. Nothing. Satan will try to discourage us. 1 Peter 5 and verse 8 says, Your adversary the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know, I've seen pictures uh, on TV 
about these animals that prey on other animals, and you'll see them sneaking through the grass. You'll see them running and cutting off an animal. That describes the devil and what he's trying to do to you and me. He wants us to have no hope. That's what the devil wants for you. He don't want you to have hope in things eternal. He doesn't want you to have hope on things that are spiritual. Do you really want to live without hope? A defiled conscience is a terrible thing to live with. First John 1, 9 and 10, If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when God does that, He removes that sin as far as the east is from the west. <clears throat> And God said, I'll never bring it up to you again. So I want to say to you this morning, if your conscience is not clear, you need to make a change. If, if your conscience is telling you that you're guilty of sin and you've made no attempt to make that right with God. You have no hope. Paul gave a, gave a long list of sin in Galatians 5 and he, and he was writing to Christians and he said, They that practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a promise of God. You can take it to the bank. And so if we're doing things that are displeasing to God, we have no hope. A conscience is with you 24-7. You're not aware of it when you're asleep, but when you get up, you are. And when you go to bed at night, it's still there. But we have a choice. Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Great, great promises to give us great, great hope. Do you really want to hold on to your sin until you die and hear Jesus say, Depart. I never knew you. That's what he said. Sin's not going to enter into heaven. And so I would encourage you this morning. 
Your conscience is either clear or it's telling you that everything's not just right with God. It's going to tell you one of those stories. It's, it can't tell both of them at the same time. If your conscience is telling you you need to make a change, you need to make a change. Paul said now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. And if you need to make a change this morning, why don't you make it right now as we stand and sing?